and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. So our guest on today's show is Dr. Joanne Connolly, and she is a veterinarian promoting intuitive medicine. She guides families in tuning in with their pets, themselves, nature, and the universe to make better medical decisions. She is a vegan and inspires all animals and humans to live in balance as one with the web of life. Dr. Joanne published her first book titled Animal Teachings from Haley's Angels Methods and is currently writing her second book, and we would like to welcome her on the show. So, Dr. Joanne, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure, April. It's such a joy to be here with you and your audience. Yes. And I'm really, was really interested in one of the reasons why, um, we reached out to you is because I know that you specialize in end of life care and counseling, um, you know, for animals. And I just, I just really like the fact that I'm seeing, uh, more attention brought to this in end of life care for animals and also how to support, um, you know, the people who are going through this transition with their animals. And I know that you have, um, you know, with, after reading your book, a lot of, uh, intuitive work that you do as well. So I was just, uh, really excited to be able to find you. So maybe you can give our listeners a little bit more of your background and really what drew you into this field and how you are, um, just working with animals and helping people with the end of life care. Absolutely. Um, animals have always been the best teachers. I found since I was a little girl, I was always drawn to them and felt um, much more comfortable around them than around people. <laughs> animals are easy, you know, they, uh, they're silly. They remind us to stay in our heart and slow down the pace and enjoy life and look at the good in life. So I've always uh, felt like they were the best teachers to making me a better person. And um, I was blessed with having Haley in my life. She was a rescued Rottweiler mix, and we spent many years together. And she got to be 14 years old and felt felt like she was 100. <laughs> she had a good good life, but the end of her life came, and I had to help her pass uh, peacefully and the blessing was that I was able to help her pass at home because obviously it was easy for me being a veterinarian. I could help her just bring the medications to her so I didn't have to move her or carry her to the hospital. And um, after she passed, my life really changed forever. And I really felt for the first time that she was there uh, in the spirit world orchestrating my next life chapter because people started calling me or a friend of a friend needed help with the euthanasia of their pet. And that was um, amazing, the shift in my life that was happening without me trying to go that on that path. You know, I had a lot of fears and I didn't know uh, how to go about starting a business and um, being alone at people's homes. You know, it's very scary. So, um, but I really felt Haley's presence and animals need help. So I jumped in and, and did the best I could. And that was 12 years ago. And since then I've helped over 10,000 families help their pet and find peace and comfort. And I've learned so much from 
this amazing experience and what families have shared with me and really uh, deepening the bond between animals and people, um, teachings that obviously I did not learn in, in veterinary school, you know, where, of course, uh, we're taught to use our brain and diagnose diseases and it's how, how all about how the body works. And it's, it's really valuable teachings, but then being able to marry uh, the those teachings from school with really what the animals are reminding me of, hey, stay in your heart and listen to us. You know, it's not easy to be a patient. It hurts. And we need to really tailor our approach. So that's what I call intuitive medicine, just really making fair and personalized medical decision based on what the patient needs and being more aware and in tune with each animal because they all have different needs. So when we diagnose cancer in a hundred different animals or people for that matter, it's all the same. The disease, the diagnosis might be the same, but how we're going to go about it varies from one being to the next, you know? So that's what I talk a lot about in my book. And it's just been fascinating because we can definitely make better medical decisions. Yeah. And I think sometimes, um, you know, having to make those medical decisions for our pets can just carry a lot of stress. Uh, you know, sometimes illness can come on quickly and maybe, you know, the average, uh, person isn't really thinking about holistic medicine, um, you know, for their pet or even know what the options are. So do you have any information that you can share, about maybe better ways that pet owners can begin to educate themselves about the different types of, of medicine out there for animals. Because I feel like just as humans, there's some Western medicine techniques and Eastern medicine techniques, and there's people performing Reiki, uh, acupuncture on animals and stuff like that. So what do you feel is the best holistic um, approach when it comes to treating animals with medicine? And I will say it's a team effort. You know, luckily, the more tools we have, the better. And like you said, we now do have chiropractic for animals and acupuncture, um, uh, you know, herbal options, supplements. And um, of course, the Western medicine is still extremely valid. You know, when somebody has an emergency or a crisis, gets hit by a car, we need to be able to fix that. But my my fascination or what I want people to remember is why do we get sick in the first place and how should we not get sick? How can we prevent illnesses and accidents for that matter? And I've found a lot of answers, which I share in my book, but in a nutshell, when we get out of balance in any aspects of our life, that's when I feel like the body uh, gets sick or that's when we get in trouble with an accident when we, we were at the wrong place um, at the wrong time because, let's say, for example, somebody's asking you to go on a trip, but you have this gut feeling inside that you just don't want to go or you're just going to go to please somebody else. But deep down, that's not the decision that honors your own truth. And then you go on that trip and you get hurt. Well, uh, so listening to your true nature and we all have to help one another and really respect one another's decisions because we're all different and we all have different needs, different passions. Uh, our animals also have like a reason to live, you know, what makes you feel alive. And I tell people like, even if you have 10 cats, they all are unique. 
and they all will thrive with different things. You know, one of our cats love music. The other one needs to go outside. And if we don't let him go outside, he gets constipated. I mean, it's as plain as, you know, it's so obvious that his body uh, shuts down like his may his mind too. Like he gets so unhappy. So when we look deeper into what does my animal need and obviously good food, you know, good nutrition, uh, just like people, we eat, our animals eat too much preservatives and dyes and processed food. So trying to make it, bring it back to simple as nature intended. Um, so then we can catch problems when they start arising and not, uh, and we have power. We have a lot of power over a diagnosis, you know, okay, when, why is this happening and what can we do about it? So a lot of communication between any doctors and the patient, but also reaching out to, uh, you know, now there is a lot of intuitive workers who will help tune in and just really figure things out. Like we're having this conversation today, you know, what can we do to regain balance? What can our animals do to regain balance? One of the most fascinating thing that I've noticed really early on in my career, which was 18 years ago, was that a lot of times animals develop the same physical illness as their people. And you know, how is that possible? Well, we, we shared the same stress, the same stressful situations. Whatever you're processing inside, your animal is like a little sponge. You know, it's, he's right there going through life with you and he will uh, feel those energies or those emotions that you're feeling. So that gives us one more layer to work on so we can all stay zen and helping our animals live the life that they were meant to live and really increase everyone's quality of life by focusing on balance and fulfilling everyone's needs and feeding our souls ultimately, you know? So it's really amazing how much power we have. Yes. Um, and you touched a lot on that in your book too, about how sensitive our animals are and the environments that we provide for them. And I think it was, um, one of the chapters when you were talking about animal communication and how animals can become, you know, very upset if there's arguing in the house or, you know, if the house isn't very peaceful and how that can affect them. Um, so I, you know, it, it was a, it was a good reminder that just because they, they tend to maybe be calm or they're in the background that the environment that we're creating for them to live in is really important. And they, they very much are affected by the household as we are. Yes. They give us unconditional love, you know, and patience. They wait for us to become the better version of ourselves that they know we can become. Um, that's kind of how I sense uh, they are little guardian angels, you know, they will stick with us through thick and thin and just support us. So I'm really grateful that more and more people are adopting animals and welcoming animals into their lives. And often, you know, when it's not necessarily planned, uh, you're taking a walk on the street and then this cat just comes out of nowhere and follows you home and say, okay, I'm, I'm here, you know. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's share this journey together. And so I'm always fascinated when people, I ask them, you know, I ask families, well, how did you adopt your pet? How did you choose this one? And most people will say, oh, he chose me. He gave me that look. And again, I was looking for a different breed, different age, but this animal, we just locked eyes and that was it. You know, love at first sight. I felt it in my heart. So amazingly, a lot of people have shared similar experiences as I have and as I talk about in the book, but 
uh, we live in a very judgmental society. So a lot of people don't want to share those things or they're afraid, of course, or, of being judged. With, but when I open that door with them and say, hey, how did you feel like, um, how did you make that decision to euthanize your pet? You know, how do you know it's time? And people will tell me how, again, they're, they just sensed it in their heart or they had a dream <clears throat> in which they received guidance. Um, or people will tell me, well, my mom has passed and every time I have a tough decision to make, I see cardinal birds because my mom loved cardinal birds. Or someone else is, you know, a lost a loved one who loved playing golf and then he starts finding random golf balls and it, here and there in life when the tough decision comes around or, you know, like little sign of guidance, might you say, from the other side. It's So it, any of those little, I don't believe in coincidences. Uh, there is a lot in this world that can't be explained. You know, there's more than what meets the eye. So all these synchronicities, uh, I feel like we definitely are all one, you know, with nature and Mother Earth, but also we give each other messages. You know, you, you're talking to your friend and something random just comes out of your friend's mouth and it's an answer to something you had been wondering about. You know, we share a lot of, we give each other answers on difficulties that we have. And, and so we're all connected on that level. So it's really just tuning in with our heart and our intuition that we were all born with. And when you look at children, they're so connected. I love um, when I go to people's homes and there is a euthanasia and children are present because they handle it better than their parents. They're so connected and pure. They remember, it seems, where they came from, you know, where the animal is. When we die, going back home to the spirit world, children are very in tune and I love hearing their wisdom. <laughs> they have a lot to share. They do. Uh, one of the chapters that I really loved in your book was chapter six, and uh, that's entitled Tapping into the Power of Our Past Lives and Animal Communication. And uh, you were you gave some stories in there, too, about how um, many times we are connected with the pets that we have in this lifetime that we may have reincarnated with them in the past, but also how sometimes uh, animals may have been in human form in a past life. And you also gave examples about those uh, you know, animals, and I've met many people that would say, oh my God, my dog is just like a human and has a lot of those uh, human personality traits or really big personalities that it just is like amazing that it's a, it's a dog or it's a cat, but it just feels so human-like. So I was hoping we can talk a little bit more about past lives and, and animals. Yes. I mean, it's a huge part of my life. Um, I'm writing a second book because I have more to share. But one of the stories that will be in the next book is how I healed my own horse allergies with uh, past lives. And so basically, my mom is very intuitive, too. And we're, we so I've done some past life regression, like I talk about in the first book. Um, but then I was just having lunch with my mom and we were randomly just talking with our hearts about my horse allergies and where do they come from? And I, when you're in your heart, you know, and you're not, your brain can only figure out so much. So you have to tap into just your trying to unlock the unconscious mind. You know, you, there's so much information stored from, again, our past lives. And so I, I saw this movie just playing in my head of my life. I was a Native American 
and the white men were capturing our wild horses. And I just burst into tears and I, I was reliving it. And even now telling you the story, um, I get all emotional because I lived it. You know, I went through that emotional shock. And so no wonder that every time I would go to a barn to see a horse, I would, I would burst into tears. You know, my body would go into shock and not that I felt the sadness, but my eyes would start running. My nose would clog up. You know, I really, uh, I was having that same reaction. So just realizing that it healed my allergies pretty much overnight. You know, I was a different person just knowing where it came from. And, um, my childhood dream has always been to have a horse. I've always wanted a horse. Um, and finally, a couple of years ago, uh, my horse showed up and it was just a very interesting coincidence. Um, we lived in Arizona for many years and um, the life chapter ended and we, my husband and I really needed to reconnect with grass and water. And so we moved to Florida. And as soon as we moved to Florida and we had, it was tough, you know, we were really out of balance. We, but we needed to close a big chapter. It was not easy. So finally we make it to Florida and my new neighbor, I start talking with her and she says, so are you ready for your horse? Because I know who he is. And I'm like, what we, you know, I didn't tell her anything. We had barely just met. So this horse was, a, I rescued him too. He needed a second chance at life and he moved in and him and I, and he was a retired show horse and he needed to also go back to just being a horse, you know? And so he, I helped him heal because I just spoiled him. We had a, a beautiful pond and he could just play and swim in the pond all day long and just graze and no, no human forcing him to do anything. And he healed me because I never had allergies to him. I, my heart just healed for a couple of years uh, being with him and just enjoying that moment and healing that trauma that happened before. And the way he died, um, we, he, he was an old guy, so he started having arthritis, but he was well-managed on pain medication. And then I had a dream one night where him and I were flying in heaven. He had turned into an angel. He had beautiful wings and I would... I was just hanging onto his neck and he was so happy and light and healthy again and young and we were home, you know, in heaven. So when I woke up the next day and I went to see him at the barn, he was not moving. He was in so much pain and the dream helped me find peace with, okay, he's ready. He's telling me that there's no need to try any more medications and he's ready to go back home and I have to help him. I have to honor his wishes. So it was very difficult, but I knew that I... I, w I had to do this to him. I mean, it was it was a gift for him, you know, to not be in pain. So past lives are huge, um, and they help us understand a lot of what's happening today. And our animals definitely have past lives, and I meet a lot of people. Uh, one of my fascination right now, it's becoming easier and easier. And when I meet people, I can detect what animal they've been before by their behaviors, and then I talk to them. Um, uh, a coworker of mine, she's amazing. And I really felt like we were talking about this and I was like, ah, I think you've been a crab before. And she loves to just walk on the beaches. She just walks and walks along the beaches and her hair kind of is puffed up uh, like crab legs. And so, and she loves the water. She's not from Florida, but she moved here because it's, she needed this for survival. You know, when you're, when you've been a crab and you're incarnating that animal. I mean, you need to be near the water. If you live in the desert, it's not, you're going to get sick. You know, it's not a good place for you to be. 
So finally, um, you know, we're having that conversation and then she lifts her sleeve and she shows me she has a crab tattoo on her shoulder that she's had for years. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) He's like, yeah, okay, I think you're right. You know, so um, it's so empowering because, again, it explains a lot of our behaviors. And I have a like I I talk about in the book, um, I cannot I have this unexplained fear of giving birth in this life. I'll never, I never want children. I like them, but I could never give birth. And my mom can't explain that fear. And I really feel like it comes from another lifetime where I probably died giving birth. And, um, so nobody can tell me in this life that giving birth is easy or oh, everybody does it. Like, no, I'm terrified. So whenever you have some strong fears that you don't understand, well, it's worth digging into where does that come from? And so it, it unlocks a lot of answers and then helps you move on. Yeah. And if people were, um, you know, interested in trying to learn more about maybe their past life incarnation with their current animal, uh, would, is your recommendation to have people find someone that does animal communication? I will. My best recommendation is really follow your gut feeling. There is a lot of different people out there. There is animal communicators, there's psychics, there's past life uh, regression therapists, there's hypno, uh, hypnotherapist. Um, you know, I'll do some consultations too. And really it has to feel right to you because we're all different channels of communication. My The one warning that I give in the book, you know, don't do it for curiosity. If you're just trying to it the purpose must be divine. You know, it needs to feel right because otherwise uh, you'll hit a wall like it won't be a positive experience. But when it's a loving, um, loving journey that we're on and really trying to unlock some important information and a lot of people like the goal too in, in my book, like I, I talk about my own routine of communication and I, I try and I'll, I'll give even more tools in the next book, but we all have that power. So even just tuning in, like trying to slow down your brain and really shut off your brain. And to me, nature is really a good place to feel connected, you know, sitting on the earth and feeling the earth under your feet or under your, your legs, just really sitting in the grass and feeling the sky and becoming just one with the elements. And right away, you'll start feeling things. You'll start unlocking memories. So being involved to me is really important because nobody else can live your life, you know, so you have to tap into your own power as much as you can. And yes, there is a lot of people out there that can help you on your journey. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Another thing that I really love that made me stop and think a little bit more about my own pets um, you have in one of the chapters is knowing your pet's life mission can help you to grow. And, you know, I stopped for a second. I was like, wow, what, what are my pet's life missions? You know, and cause there, there's a part of me at first that, you know, when I think about the animal kingdom and I think about animals, the first thing that comes to mind is I think their mission on earth is really to teach us that unconditional love because they really don't ask anything of us. And anyone that I've ever talked to that has ever owned an animal, you know, sometimes they'll joke and say, well, I love my animal more than people. You know, there's just a really a, a very unique and different bond when your heart bonds with an animal as opposed to maybe other human beings, because there can be more conditions put on relationships and love. So I kind of feel like, and I don't know if you would agree with this as a catch all, the animal kingdom has a specific mission here on earth, but how, how does one begin to maybe 
you know, sit with their animal and really understand what the specific life mission is for that pet and how those life missions can be different for each animal. So starting with how we meet our pet, you know, like we're talking about, um, I tell people be really open-minded because that's where the blessings are in the right animal finding you and you not forcing something with an animal that might not be right for you. In um, so letting leave, letting the animal find you, and so I've seen amazing teams between animals and people. And one of the examples that I give in the book that is still today just uh, one of the most amazing team effort that I've seen is this uh, older man who has trouble walking himself, and he finds he takes care of this kitty who was hit by a car and who has trouble walking too. And together they make each other feel normal and they support each other through that difficult or abnormal or just different journey. Um, so uh, a lot of animals will push us out of our comfort zone. So I, my recommendation is embrace, embrace the challenges because those will make you grow. And so follow there, following your animal on its own journey, you know, pay attention to where your animal wants to go as opposed to you uh, being too rid or rigid as like, let's say you're walking your dog and your dog just wants to say hi to everybody on the streets, but you're, <laughs> you're on a time schedule and you're walking your dog and this is going to last 15 minutes. And if your dog is trying to say hello, you just yank on the leash and we're going, you know? So, uh, that, so I feel like, well, maybe you're missing out here because you might have a little therapy pet, little therapy pet on your hands. And this pet might really thrive if you take him to nursing homes, hospitals, um, schools. I have a few patients who go to schools and children read to them because, uh, children are, they don't feel judged when they're around animals. It's so much easier. So they learn to read much better when they read to animals, as opposed to teachers and people who might laugh at them because of the way they pronounce or anything, you know? So, um, there is a pig living with me right now and that was definitely not planned. And this pig showed up at my house and he's on a, he's a, he's on a mission right now. Uh, he's a little vegan activist and I, I did not realize again what was happening, but I'm embracing this because now it makes so much sense. Um, I'm vegan myself and this pig is a lot of fun, but he, we were really overwhelmed at first because we did not know anything about pigs, my husband and I. And so anyway, you know, we got through the sleep uh, deprivation phase and we secured our fences and I, I had to neuter him and we went through a lot, but, uh, Wilbur is now walking on the leash and he loves to go for rides. So we take him to the beach and of course people will just, you know, gather around him and he sits for treats like he's so smart. And so now the first thing that comes out of people's mouth is, oh, my God, I will never eat bacon again. I will never eat ham. And I realize, oh, wow, I did not see this coming. But people wouldn't listen to me. You know, if I tell them, oh, be kind to the animals, know what animal you eat. No, leave it to Wilbur, the cutest pig, you know, to teach them that, hey, pigs have emotions. Animals matter. And be careful what you participate into. And if you're going to eat animals, know where they come from. Ho hopefully, you know, you want them to have a happy life, a happy death. And if you don't have to eat meat, well, a lot of people are surviving just fine and thriving with a vegan diet, you know. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of Wilbur and I'm proud of myself for letting him, you know, at some point you just, sometimes you just have to say, Oh my God, I don't know where we're going here. And a lot of times, you know, the <laughs> life is a journey of surprises and mysteries. And if we dare just following the flow, uh, the best things happen. So embracing each animal in your, in your, um, house and really trying to find what word describes my animal. And that truly will help you find the reason for each animal to live. You know, what does he live for and what does he need to stay alive? Because so another, the opposite of being a therapy animal is if your pet is really not a therapy animal, but you want him to be, and you take him to all these places, it could be really detrimental for your pet who might just be feeling really overwhelmed. And I've seen some dogs who just got sick all the time because they were being taken to social places and it was just not their place. It's not their personality. And they belong at home one-on-one helping their owner get through a divorce or um, any other, you know, a tough disease. Uh, I see a lot of animals dying. The timing of death is really amazing to me because when the life mission is completed, the animal will die. So for example, the owner now has a firstborn child. Uh, Often the animal will die when that happens because the life purpose, you know, the parents practiced or got their dogs first and then uh, grew into, okay, we can take care of animals and now we're having children and okay, we're, it's a different life chapter. So I see life as a book really, and we have to be aware of those chapters so it, we can understand better when there is a time of the end of a life chapter and it just makes sense that a, an animal would leave us. Science has proven that we are more prone to dying on our birthday. And I see that with animals also. And it makes sense to me because the cycle of life is completed. You know, you're born on the same day that you die. It just makes a lot of sense. Wow. I've Actually, I don't think I've... I knew that. I mean, I've, I've known and have heard of a lot of people that have died on their birthday. I always thought that was an interesting coincidence, but I didn't know that it was actually, there was some science behind that. Yeah, there is more than what our brain can comprehend, you know? So I encourage everybody to tap into everything else, the rest of the puzzle, because it gives us so many answers and it helps us live better and it helps us die better. Um, you know, pets grieve to a level that I did not realize until I started doing the in-home euthanasia service where you can allow the rest of the animals to be present. And a lot of them will want to stay really close to their dying friend. And they will want to visit the burial ground, you know, the grave of their friend. And cows and large animals, too, will visit the grave for a few weeks even. And it depends on the bond, obviously. Um And when the owner dies, like one wish that I have for the medical system is that when the the person dies, often that happens at the hospital, but we need to involve our animals somehow because they need to know what's happening and they need to know that their owner is not coming home. And if we can just have them visit with with the deceased body, just that is huge, you know, giving the animals some time to cope with what's happening here because their life is going to be changed forever. 
Yeah, thank you for reminding me of that, because that was a pretty touching um, story that you had in the book. Would you like to share just a little bit more about um, like the importance of other animals possibly being present for that and what the animals go through if they are not present and the other animal in the house is gone or euthanized or taken away and they don't have that access to the grieving process? So there is one of my favorite stories is uh, Tater Tots, the bunny, who really is part of the pack in his household. And I visited twice, unfortunately, to help with two old dogs. And both times I were there to I was there to euthanize the old friend. Tater Tot, the bunny, would sit right next to the one that was sick. And he was not afraid of me. Um, and he needed to be part of that ceremony, you know, that celebration of life and that uh, transition into the next world. And so we need to respect those things, you know, those relationship. And so if we have to do the euthanasia at the hospital, I do encourage families to bring the other animals that we know will be extremely hurt or, you know, affected by the loss of their friend. And on the other hand, you know, I see, I've seen a lot of funny or, you know, funny situations when the bully dies or when there is jealousy amongst animals. And so there is more, less grieving and more of a celebratory, like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you. You know, now I have all the space to myself. I have the humans to myself. I don't have to share with anybody. Um, so it can go either way. So it's, again, there is no recipe. It's allowing the, giving our pets the opportunity to be present, to not be present, to do their grieving process like they need to do. Just like this is how I approach it with people, people of all ages, um, you know, children, they, some of them will want to be there, some of them won't. And again, adults is the same thing, you know, trying to really uh, empower everybody to listen to what they need and just honor what they need because it's not easy and it, it can happen in many different ways. So it's just just communication, you know, and being sensitive and respectful to everyone's needs. Great. And if, if people are listening to this and maybe they recently had a, you know, a pet that had passed and their other animal wasn't involved in it, is there anything that you would recommend to the owner in how they can, you know, maybe even telepathically speak to the other pet or, uh, you know, if the ashes are brought home, um, to allow that other pet to be around that? Or is there anything else that you would suggest to help other pet owners help their other pets in the grieving process? Yes, absolutely. And like you said, if you have the urn or the ashes of your previous, uh, of the your deceased pet, definitely, uh, you know, put them, put the urn on the floor where your other animals can come and smell and sniff and spend time with them. I've seen that to be very beneficial. And um, also the toys and the bed and anything else that belonged to your other pet, um, you, there's no rush in taking them away. You know, I see a lot of comfort for the pets that, who are left behind to sleep in their friend's bed or, uh, you know, be close, to, not change the routine right away, you know, giving them time to adapt. So you can bring some old toys back if it's already been a while. And obviously, yes, talking to your animal not that they understand all the words that you're going to use, but they will sense that energy and explaining them what happened. Um, some, some animals are definitely more in tune than others. And so I've seen how animals will 
play with the wind. Let's say, you know, people say, oh, I think, you know, this one is visiting because uh, the other pet has been just barking at nobody or again, playing by himself and seem like there is a spirit visiting. So I always, I, I like those stories too, because I believe that, yeah, there is a very thin veil between this world and the next. And some of our animals will definitely stick around and um, keep an eye on us. You know, I, I try and I, and I, I want them to feel get to feel like they have permission to move on because they might reincarnate. And so I encourage people to not force them into staying here, you know, giving them permission to follow their journey. And that starts before they are even passed and giving them permission to die can really allow for a natural and quick death. And I've mm -hmm. seen that a lot. So it's really powerful when you just talk to your animal and I know it's hard, but being able to say, I love you, but I don't want you to suffer. So please just, you have my permission. You can go. Don't hang in there for me because a lot of our animals will sacrifice themselves for us. They love us. Our bonds are so tight. So giving them permission to die and then giving them permission to go fully, you know, to go where they need to go and then possibly find us again. And yes, I've had Many, many stories of families, even, you know, they adopt this new dog and they try to give him a new, like a name, but the dog doesn't respond until they use the previous dog's name. And then the dog just comes running. <laughs> <They're> like, wow. <laughs> you know? Um, and then one more thing that I find really helpful for a natural passing is to give our animals space, uh, alone time to die, because I find that it's much easier to die when you're alone. And people get upset, you know, even when uh, our loved ones, our human loved ones are dying and people are watching over them, spending, you know, all day, all night with them. And then they just go to the bathroom for two minutes. And that's when their loved one dies and they regret, like they wish they were there. And I, I always tell families, well, it makes sense. You know, dying is not easy when you have your loved ones near you and it's harder to take care of yourself and to follow that path you you just want to be there for them and you know they're sad and so i see that with the animals too so giving them some time by themselves it can really empower them to just let go more easily yeah that might also empower people to hear too because i think you know there could be more loss or if we're not able to physically be there at the time of transition that you know people do feel bad and that just might be for our own you know, for what we needed, you know, we needed that, but you know, the yeah. person or the animal who is passing may not have needed that. So, you know, I think that that's important for people to hear too, that it would be okay, you know, to give that animal some space and some time. And, and if the animal does pass, when you give it space and time, then you know that that was a great gift that you probably did give the animal because you honored that and what they needed. Completely. And especially if we're at home and there is some hiding space or you can make them a nice bed in the closet, you know, like somewhere remote. Cause a lot of, that's a wild instinct to separate from the pack to die, you know, wild animals do that too. So when you start, when you realize that your animal is okay, now separating from everybody and uh, looking for a comfortable place. So if you facilitate that with, uh, by giving your pet a nice cozy place in the closet, you know, comfortable away from noises and everything. And you see that your pet really is comfortable there. Uh, then that definitely, yes, would be a really great, the best gift you can give your pet for sure. Yeah. So um, how are you continuing to work with people 
now, like if people are, are listening to this podcast and they would like to connect with you, um, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, so through my website, uh, all my social link, um, those social media links are there and my email and phone number. So I do consultation, you know, over the phone and via uh, pictures and, um, and I also locally, you know, I'm in Florida now, so I do in-home services and I work at the hospital and I try to get that balance for myself, but I'm always available for people anywhere in the world to just uh, call me and we can talk about what's going on and I can help you the best I can at least and uh, facilitate whatever difficult situation you're going through with your pet. And then we can work with your veterinarian and, you know, it's a team effort completely. So when you have a gut feeling about, oh, I should reach out to this person or, you know, going to, again, do some acupuncture or uh, animal communication or any, follow that voice inside of you, because that's really the best tool that we have to navigate through life. And obviously uh, trying to decide if surgery the right option or not, and really bringing it back to what does our pet, what is our pet telling us and how can we care for him or her by keeping her dignity, you know, keeping the dignity of our animal and making fair decision. That's the goal to prevent unnecessary suffering. Right. And remind me again, what part of Florida are you in for our listeners who do live down there? Um, I'm in the Northeast. So St. Augustine area. Okay. All right. And the best website for them to visit would be? It's haleysangels.com. It's www.haleysangels.com. Great. Well, Dr. Joanne, thank you so much. I love talking about animals. And I know that um, our audience, they are huge animal lovers because whenever we have a podcast that has to do with animals, animal communication, healing in animals, I mean, the stats are like through the roof. So I know that this will be well listened to. And I am so excited that we got a chance to introduce you to our followers. So thank you so much again for being a guest on the Path Love and Podcast. Thank you, April. Thank you so much. And everybody have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to the Path Loving Podcast today. I hope you all enjoyed this show. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon page, I'd like you to do so because we are going to start putting some content over there that is only for our Patreon subscribers. You can get content for as little as donating a dollar a month, and it could just be a one-time donation. We have other freebies over there that you can get depending upon how much you would like to donate. And again, it could be a one-time donation, or you can continue to keep your subscription on a monthly basis at that donation level, but I just put my MBT immersive experience, which was a four day intensive meditation training in Tennessee with physicist Tom Campbell. I was listening to binaural beats, going to altered states of consciousness, having out of body experiences and life changing experiences that I was able to bring back uh, for myself, for my clients, for my friends that was just out of this world. So if you would like to listen to that, I'd like you to head on 
on over to path11podcast.com. You're going to see an orange button that says Patreon. Become a Patreon today and you can have access to that podcast. And I would like to remind you to head on over to path11productions.com and check out the membership that we have for the Afterlife Awareness Conference. We have over 25 hours of footage with amazing speakers like William Buhlman, Thomas John, Terry Daniel, Suzanne Geisman, Suzanne Northrup, Linda Fitch, uh, Austin Wells, just a few people uh, to name off that were amazing. These workshops are just so valuable. So I think that you would really enjoy it. It's also a great thing to think about to maybe give the gift to somebody who is struggling with grief. If you are looking for resources, this is a great conference to send people to to check out. And thanks again for listening today.